you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Fantasy Freaks and Geeks, what's up? We welcome you into the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. James Coe here with you. On a beautiful Thursday, not in the closet today. We are actually in studio, treating us with respect, putting some spec on our name. Actually, it's just because like other big shot podcast people, like <laughs> Bucky and DJ, are off doing that's, big shot podcast people thing. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So that's about right. But hey, yeah, no respect. Put we, some spec on my name. We finally got it. Or you could look at it like franchise is not here, and they're like, well, they got the riffraff out of the podcast. <laughs> so now we can put them back in the studio. That's a very good point. Uh, franchise not in the building today. James Coe, Matt Franchise not here. Matt Harmon, what's going on, pal? It's tough with Franchise not being here. Like when Gelhar was out, he was easy to do impressions of on the <laughs> podcast and make fun of behind his back. I mean, there's not really as much with Franchise. Like He doesn't have right. like a voice or anything. All right. I mean, the sensitivity levels are definitely down. It's true. The salt levels are... I don't even have a voice. You just make fun of the my the <laughs> accent of my people. That's definitely not Alex's voice. Yes. Uh, debatable. Debatable. All right. Thanks for coming to my defense, Chris. Uh, Alex Gelhard, what's up, man? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. It's it's nice to be in the studio today. It is nice. It always feels nice. good to, to sit yes. in a real place and not be trapped in the closet. Yes, very good point. Um, producer Chris, what's going on? What's up, buddy? I always like these pods. Yeah. You know, I know the fantasy season's over, but a little freestyle action. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, for whatever reason. There's an echo. Yeah. What is it coming? It's coming off oh. the TV. Oh, the hold on. I can, I can nope, figure no, this no, out. We got it. Wait, you got hold the remote? On. Here we go. Pause. Mute. Oh, there oh. it is. Okay, you guys are watching yourself you on television. What? That's what the you problem what? is. See, they put I us mean, back wanna... in the studio, and we're all self-absorbed <laughs> watching ourselves on the TV. Well, look, I want to I want to look at myself, obviously, but I don't want to hear myself. That's that, fair. That is insufferable. Uh, Do any of you guys like just hate the sound of your own voice? No. Uh, when uh, I first I started in the it. business, I did. It was, it was tough. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> Anyways, bottom line, here we are. Okay, so we figured all this out. We got the technical issues. Under the bed. We're good. We're good. We're good, baby. Bunch of professionals. All right, what are, what are we doing? <clears throat> what are we doing today? We're talking about Coach Speak Part 2, a.k.a. Matt Harmon's piece, When Narratives Ruined Us in 2017. Some good ones. Uh, there are some good ones. We'll be talking about Terrell Pryor, Joe Mixon, Adrian Peterson in New Orleans. Uh, it will be Matt Harmon's piece, which you can find, of course, online, nfl.com slash... Harmon. Uh, in continuation of that, kind of piggybacking off that, we'll talk about narratives that died. Or did they? Mm. Dun, 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 dun. I say you, they did. <laughs> Alex Smith can't throw deep. We'll debate. Long layoff optimism. We'll debate. Zach Ertz only performs in December. Well, that's not really up for debate. So, uh, narratives that died. Or did they? We shall talk about that. We'll close out with Daily Dust, but we'll start with a long round, believe it or not, of. Your top fantasy headlines. Breaking news. 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 Um, Jacksonville taking on New England in the AFC championship game. 
Uh, we broke this game down for NFL Pick'em, which you can watch on Saturday. Uh, but, Matt Harmon, we'll start with you. How do you see this game going? Yeah, kind of like like we hit on on our Pick'em hit a little bit, at least for me. like The thing that I'm going to be watching the most here is can the – uh, Jacksonville Jaguars limit the quick passing game of the New, the New England Patriots. Right. That's actually been something they've kind of struggled with this year. So if you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars defense, obviously their secondary is great. Their cornerbacks allow when they're the nearest defender per next-gen stats, just a 52.1 passer rating. That's the lowest in the NFL. But That's outrageously low. Yeah. I mean, they have not only they have the two guys on the outside, but even their cornerback, their slot guy, Aaron Colvin, has had a really good year, I believe, okay. Bur- uh Per next gen stats, he allows like a 77 quarterback rating in coverage. All good guys. You don't want to pick on those players. We know the Patriots are notorious about uh, wanting to attack a team's weakest point. And I think for Jacksonville, when if you have to pick a weakness in their defense, it's the middle of the field coverage guys. Again, per next gen stats, when the linebackers are the nearest defender when they're targeted, they yes. allow a 103.2 pass rating. That's the sixth highest in the NFL. Mm. I think what the Patriots are going to try to do is try to you know use. Three, they've got three running backs in the backfield uh, that can catch passes. Deion Lewis, James White, and Rex Burkhead is expected to be back for this right. game. I expect to see those guys on the field together, you know, multiple different looks, splitting them out of the formation. They're going to probably try to keep the Jags in the base defense with Paul Puzlozny as the middle linebacker. Yeah. Get some of those guys on those short to intermediate routes. If the Jaguars can limit that, I think they got a better shot to win. Uh, Brady has thrown seven of his eight picks when he takes longer than two and a half seconds to release the ball. So that's kind of the key matchup uh, I'm watching for in this game. I'm also going to be breaking that down on NFL Blitz today Atta if baby. you want to watch it on you know, NFL.Twitter.com. NFL.Twitter.com? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it? That's it. NFL.Twitter.com. That is accurate. I wow. I yes. thought you just stumbled. No, that's like N.F.L.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know where to put punctuation. Okay. But, yeah, no, that's where uh, you can watch it there. <clears throat> Good. Or I'll probably tweet uh, it. Uh, Telvin Smith and uh, Miles Jack on the outside linebacker spots. Th- those guys are good athletes, but I don't think they're necessarily thinking about coverage. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and Paulie P., who, you know, again, a, a quality player, but not the best athlete in the world. He's old. Uh, he's old. Too. Yeah, he's, he's been around forever, man. Yes, indeed. Um, God, I remember. He played at Penn State, right? He's a Penn State. Linebacker, you. Good Lord. I remember watching him play at Penn State. That didn't seem that long ago. Um, but, yeah, no, I, they, they, as you mentioned, their linebackers, I think they have high-quality linebackers. It's just I don't think coverage is necessarily their thing. Um, to piggyback on that point, uh, we brought this up yesterday as well, but opposing teams – uh, are only completing less than 50% of their passes on the outside uh, against their uh, to wide receivers, right? To any and all wide receivers, they're only completing uh, less than 50% of their passes, which is again, again, that's just that's crazy, crazy yeah. in today's league. Meanwhile, if you look at the running backs and tight ends, opposing def- uh, opposing offenses have been able to complete 71% of their passes to running backs and tight ends. Now. It's not necessarily great production. You look at the yardage; it's not all that. It's it's not all that. The touchdowns, again, not all that. But when you start thinking about what the Patriots want to get done, they really, as you mentioned, want to throw to their running backs. Of course, they've got Gronkowski there as well, and I think they'll just keep just moving down the field in just small little chunks here and there. It's a similar defense to what they just faced in Tennessee. Like I was mentioning, like 32% of the past, like you mentioned, the overall production look good, looks doesn't look good, but when you look at it in context of what Jacksonville's allowed, 32% of the yards they've given up on the year mm-hmm. uh, have been when linebackers are in coverage. That's the sixth highest in the, the sixth highest percentage in the NFL. The team they just faced last week yeah. in Tennessee, 34%. Right. So they're right ahead of Jacksonville, and we saw – over half of Brady's targets go to running backs or tight ends. I mean, Deion Lewis and James White combined for 17. Gronk had nine. And then there was another tight end, I think Jacob Hosteller or whatever. Or it feels Hollister. Like, he, Hollister, yeah. Yeah, he runs the stores. He had one target. <laughs> it feels like two Lego pieces going together here. I mean, honestly, uh, and, and not in a good way for Jacksonville because this is the soft spot of their defense, and this is the strength of the Patriots' offense. So, again, I, I was uh, on the Patriots' side. There's going to be so many interesting third downs. Yeah, it's, come up, don't you think? It's cliche, but it's all going to come back to pressure. Like, can they? Can they? That get- was what I was just going to say. Yeah. Like, uh, Tom Brady had was sacked thirty-five times this year. This year, that was the fourth most he's been sacked in his entire career. Is that right? And, gra- and that was a top ten figure in the league. But granted, also you have to remember he passed way more times than right. anybody else he in did. that top ten. He did. Uh, he threw the ball five hundred and eighty-one times this Led year. Led the league in passing. Led the league in pass attempts and yards. 
However, the Jags have a great pass rush. They have two guys with double-digit sacks. They have other ways that can pressure you. I mean, because mm. Yannick Ngakwe and Calais Campbell combined for like 27 sacks, I think, and then Dante Fowler's there, Malik Jackson's there. And uh, the Patriots have issues on the offensive line right now. Adrian Waddle returned to practice with a knee injury I saw this morning on the report, but mm-hmm. he's already banged up. He's he's their second-string right tackle. If he goes out, that's going to create a domino effect, and uh, I think that's where the Jags are going to have the most successes in this game is putting pressure on Tom Brady. That's where they have they have to win there. That's a, That is the only – I mean, it's, it's cliche, and we say this every time somebody's facing Tom Brady in a pivotal game, but yeah. you have to pressure him to beat him because he's, ol- he's older. I mean, I know he's limber and whatever from his – Diet and his Pilates and whatnot. <laughs> the TB12 method, but but go. he's also he's also banged up. His 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 right hand is hurt. I don't buy it's that. It's gonna report. be cold. I, I buy that report zero percent. What do you mean? They put him on the injury report and they said, oh, he's got a he dinged up his hand during practice on what Wednesday. Uh, I for one have no reason to question the Patriots. <laughs> why would we ever doubt the Patriots? <laughs> why, especially why would we ever doubt the such Patriots? An, such an honest. Report. Yeah, Such an in, honest uh, team and organization. Yeah. I don't believe any teams in in this league, in, this in, league. A, in our league, James, <laughs> yes. would do that. Oh, man. The fact that he is actually on the injury report is a clear-cut indication he's not injured at all. That is, that's, he's, on the, he's always on the injury report, I, but, but it's always for something like – it's sh- always for an Achilles. Right, exactly. Again, something. again, the fact that he's on it. It's a clear sign to me. He's not in Also, for the re- before we move on to the other game. Yeah. Quick poll. What was Paul Pozlesny's rookie year? I know this. 2007? Uh, Cuz uh, I was off, I was, was off by a year in my I was going to say 2005. It was 2007. 2007. I thought it was oh, 06. I thought it was 06 when I first pulled it up, but he right. dude's been around for 10 Long years time. now. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. It, it's 11, it, actually. And, and, you know, it's this is one of those things, too, where they're on a nice little playoff run. I'm happy for him. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he's really had to. I mean, he went from Buffalo to Jacksonville. Yikes. And I think the, the his rookie year was last time Jacksonville was in the playoffs, right? But he was with Buffalo. So, like, dude's been in the league 11 years, hasn't sniffed the playoffs. That's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Um, he reminds me a little bit of uh, uh, Takeo Spikes. Not quite as good as Takeo Spikes, but uh, he it, what, he's never won a playoff game. Is that right? Spikes? I don't think so. Because he Sucks. won Cincinnati, and obviously they haven't won a playoff game. The in Eagles and then the 49ers when I they were. I think he was with the Chargers for a he little was with the Chargers bit. for a while, yeah. Yeah, he did have bit. a little Chargers stint. Yeah, okay. Anyways, regardless, we move on. Oh, uh, actually, just to piggyback off of uh, what you just said there, Alex Gilhar, uh, ever since the Marcel Darius trade, um, the Jacksonville Jaguars, just from their tackle position, just from the interior part of the line, and as we know, if you want to get pressure on Brady and really make it uncomfortable for him, you really want to get that pressure up the middle. Uh, since the Darius trade, Jacksonville has actually generated the fourth highest quarterback pressures from just their interior line mm-hmm. uh, in the NFL since the Darius trade, which happened, I think, in week Nine. Yeah, gives them it gives them nice depth in that interior, which is always great against a team that's going to run a lot of plays Darius like the Patriots because you got Darius, you've got Malik Jackson, Clayus Campbell, uh, Avery Jones. All those guys can play in the interior and, and plug up lanes and put some pressure on the QB. And we just saw Darius get after it uh, on Big Ben uh, against Pittsburgh last week as well. So uh, he will have a role, at least if Jacksonville wants to get a win. He will have a role. Uh, in this game as well. All right, Minnesota, Philadelphia on the other side, on the NFC side. How does this game go, Alex Gelhart? Oh, this is an old-fashioned slobber knocker. Slobber Two good defenses meeting in the championship. What do you <laughs> think? Old the, school football. What do you think the final score uh, total will be? Uh, hold on, let me do some quick math. Uh, 34. Hmm. That would even be under certain projected lines. Wow, interesting. I think think it's a sneaky shootout. You think? No way. I think it's going to be pretty low scoring. Okay. Uh, Well, anyways, regardless, how do you see the game going there? I I think it's going to be a lot of – a lot of long drives that end uh, with long field goals, field goals or uh, or <laughs> or like those those punts yeah. where they're at like the forty yard line. It's like, do we go for it? Do we punt? Do we kick a fifty nine yard field goal? Okay, we're gonna punt and play field position. Amazing. So I think it's gonna be it's gonna come down to whichever team can make a few more of those big crucial plays. And I think uh, I'd trust the Vikings to make that because they've got a little bit of that magic. They've got a little bit of that moxie. And they've got the quarterback and wide receivers with the chemistry to go make those plays. Like, on crucial third downs, Case Keenan right. can scramble out of the pocket a little bit, 
Throw it to Adam Thielen. No, he's going to go up and make that catch. Throw it to Diggs. No, he's going to go up and make that catch. He's sure. got Kyle Rudolph, too. Obviously, not to say he knows Nick, if he throws it to Diggs, he's going to make right. that catch. Not, <laughs> not to say that Foles doesn't have weapons, but Foles yeah. just hasn't shown in his relief effort yet the consistent ability to make those plays, and especially against a, a defense as as talented and fast as Minnesota's. I, I worry that the, the Eagles are going to, if it if they get behind a little bit, are going to struggle to come back. And, you know, the other thing, too, is there's a lot of timing routes in Philadelphia's offense, and Nick Foles doesn't seem to have that timing down. Um, that's the problem to me. I, I don't really – I don't see how Philadelphia – I don't know. Can well, they somebody just gotta, talk me off of this. How, how does Philadelphia win this ball they, game? They play smart. Like, they, they coached – I mean, Doug Peterson, to his credit, called a great game against the Falcons with a lot of screens and a lot of simpler passes and, yeah. and the, the RPO, the old, oh, the old the run old, pass option. The old RPO. So they got to they gotta keep it simple for him and keep him on time and get him into a rhythm early. Like, no – no opening the game 50-yard bombs to Torrey Smith. Come on. Come on, Doug Peterson. You're a West Coast disciple. Let's get your get your slants, get yep. your screens, yep. get him yep. in a rhythm, get him comfortable. And, you know, like feed feed at JHI and LeGarrette Blunt. Like yep. let, let them go to work. That's what was starting to work really well for them against Atlanta. Carmen? I would say you have to yeah, you have to commit to the run and know that there's not going to be a ton of efficient quick gains against the Vikings defense, but I think a few – I just posted a piece uh, about Championship Sunday mismatches. Okay. Uh, and that's on the website NFL.com. If you've, uh, that one's just NFL. Did you uh, incite the rage of the Eagles' nest again with this no, piece? I, I don't think so. I tried to be extra careful to those delicate flowers. Mis- mismatch um, Vikings versus Eagles. <laughs> that whole piece is why you guys suck. No, I'm kidding. Um, but one thing I'm obviously looking at, like in the Eagles secondary, their kind of weakest point is Jalen Mills, their corner cornerback they've had right uh Ronald Darby when he's been healthy has been pretty good this year he's definitely an opportunistic guy can he can get beat but he can also make you pay with some turnovers too Jalen Mills allowed nine touchdowns this year per pro football focus in coverage and that was the most out of any players that have uh that have played over 200 snaps well I mean let all cornerbacks obviously um so and then he's going to see a lot of Stefan Diggs I think that's going to be Kind of a matchup to watch. That's uh, a problem. Diggs led all wide receivers in uh, passer rating when targeted in tight coverage. Uh, so that's going to def- – obviously, we saw what he did with just 0.3 yards of separation on that game-winning touchdown. Right. So I think that's going to be one matchup to watch. Like how can uh, the Vikings look to get Diggs and Thielen running against Mills at that left cornerback spot? Um, also, I think if, if you think about how are the Eagles going to win this game, they got to – put a ton of heat on Case Keenum and the Vikings have some issues on the offensive line they tried to move Mike Remmers to left guard they opened up that right tackle spot the Eagles were the the best pass rushing defense in the NFL Keenum had a 5.1 passer rating when under pressure last week against the Saints interesting that's not what he, he's been really good under pressure for most of the year but he started oh, okay. to show some flaws and then was just throwing those kind of Case Keenum YOLO balls, yeah, which yeah. sometimes work out, but could also kind of make the Vikings pay. So that's going to be one way that they have to. And then their their offensive line also has to hold up. Uh, oh, the Vikings? No, 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 the Eagles too. Like if their pass protection has to be really good, we know Foles is not the improviser that Carson Wentz is who can move off his spot and create plays. Uh, but the Vikings obviously have – they have Everson Griffin. They have Daniel Hunter. Right. And their uh, left tackle, whose first name I can't pronounce, but the last name Vitae, who's replacing Jason Peters, he's allowed uh, <laughs> nine sacks and ten hits this year, which is top three among left tackles. So he has to play really good, really well. So it's going to come down to kind of those quarterback performances and who plays less like the backup. Philadelphia's defensive line, one of the best in the NFL. And one of the deepest. And one of the yes. deepest in the NFL. Um, and, and they get great production from their linebackers as well. Still a high, I think still a highly underrated bunch. Yeah, they don't get mentioned, I mean, with Jacksonville. That's what I'm saying. Because they don't have the complete defense of like a Jacksonville and a, uh, and a Minnesota but they are – yeah, they're aggressive up front. And like Gelhar mentioned, they're deep. I mean, they have Derek Barnett. They have Vinnie Curry. They have uh, Brandon Graham and Fletcher I think Cox are kind of the stuff. What hurts them too yeah. is they don't, they don't have a, a splash player. Like people look, people who watch the game a lot know Fletcher Cox is really good, but he's not like Calais Campbell. He didn't, no, drop, 14, yeah, like he didn't drop 14 yeah. sacks on the, in yeah. this season. Or they don't have, you know, that – like Brandon Graham's great off the edge, but he didn't like rack up the numbers like a Yannick Ngakwe did. Right. So right. they're all collectively very good and, and role players. And, they just and don't I have that from, splash guy. I think for most of the year, too, they were overshadowed by the offense. And mm-hmm. Carson Wentz was this, That's exactly rightly right. the story of yeah. the Eagles. Yeah. But 
the defense has been just as good. And I think, I mean, yeah, Fletcher Cox is like just as good as those guys. He's like, great. So, I mean, yeah, they have that star. They they have it all, but you're right. Like, that's why they don't have you guys, uh, the credit. Here's a philosophical question. Do you think that defenses don't get credit unless you have a great corner? They're kind of, well, they're like the every offseason there's the debate about who's the best cornerback in the NFL. Like, it's definitely kind but of you know a sexy position. Because yeah. even when with Seattle, it was when Seattle was, you know, Legion of Boom, it was they had their front guy in Richard Sherman. You know I think you, I think that philosophically, I think you are hitting on the point, but it's not it doesn't have to be cornerback. You just need you just need your front man. Yeah, you need your personality. You know, the Jags had a lot of good pieces, but then they got Jalen Ramsey, yeah. and because like Calais Campbell's probably the best play, one of the best players on the defense, but he's quiet, yeah, he's reserved, not, yeah. veteran. You know, Jalen Ramsey's the one saying we're going to Super That's Bowl. That's what we're I'm going to win that. B. That's what I'm you, saying. And like I think even like for the Panthers, they're great defenses. They didn't necessarily have. I mean, they had Josh Norman for a while, but Luke Keekley was always like the rock, right? Their front the, man. The guy, okay. Yeah. You know, he was their clean cut. He was like the Bon Jovi of front he men was, for them. You know what he was? Why do you keep saying was? He's still playing. <laughs> still, no, he I mean, still is. Like, well, they're out of the playoffs yeah, now, and like relax, their defense, pal. their defense no, wasn't had, as great. But when this they past were, year. but but when they were considered a uh, an elite defense, yeah. it was because of Josh Norman. Right. Yeah. They have a but but. I think Keller's right in that it's just like the person, like the personality with the Ravens. It was Ray Lewis. It was Ed okay. Reed. Like I mean, even guys. for those those Broncos defenses, I didn't think to Aqib Talib or Chris Harris versus great as they were. I thought Devon Miller. Yeah, because because he, he would yeah. he okay. would be getting in the you're backfield. Right. He would right. be gyrating. I'd be like, okay. well, that's you're getting close to the pump limit there, <laughs> Von. Like, let's settle down. <laughs> the pump limit. Uh, but and, and the Eagles don't have that guy. I mean, yeah, they, they don't. They don't, don't have like you're a, right. a you're loud right. mouth. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. You're right. You're right. We'll stay with the Eagles here. Pat Shermer expected to be the new head man for the New York football Giants when the Eagles uh, season is at a close. Vikings. 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 Excuse Vikings me. Vikings it's fair, though, because it's all, he is an Eagles guy, former, former assistant. Uh, Todd Haley in Pittsburgh out as a Steelers OC. Pittsburgh going with quarterback coach Randy Fickner? Fickner, I think so, yeah. Uh, to Fickner. replace Todd Haley. Uh, I, if, you, if, if you don't know how to pronounce his name, it's because kind of sort of came out of nowhere. Um, Rappaport, Ian Rappaport, NFL insider, uh, said the relationship between Big Ben and Haley was a factor. I would imagine Haley breaking his hip in a bar fight during the playoffs played a role. Forgot about that. As well. At the Tequila Cowboy, was it? I don't know what it was. I believe that was the Do we know? I, if I, went and, I went and did like During some, the playoffs, what are you doing? I went and did some investigative journalism <clears> of, <throat> okay. on the Tequila Cowboy. Yes, and, and how? Uh, what were the reviews? I'm not some not good Yelp reviews. Not good Yelp. Not some good Yelp reviews. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Advisor, some, yeah, some one stars. Yeah, no, you know, I, look, I just moved, so like I'm kind of constantly on Yelp, like looking up yeah, places yeah. near me, and I've like never. And now it's just like it's like almost like a little weird hobby. I've never been the Yelp guy, but now it's like, oh, let me like dig into it. So I was like, when I heard, you know, hey, the, you've left one spectacular review. <laughs> from the karaoke That's right. place. That's right. That's right. Uh, the, the Korean karaoke. What is it like? Uh, you get a free bottle of something if you. Yeah, we got a free bottle of like super cheap champagne for right. you leaving. That's right. Leave a review. Yeah, so uh, I don't know that there's much. <laughs> I don't know that there's much to take from the Fickner hiring because we don't no, really know any sort of track yeah, record. Yeah, yeah. And also, the benefit is him getting promoted to an offense like this is. Guess what? It's still gonna go through Ben and uh, through Bell and Brown. Yeah. So. yeah There's no probably no no real change. Sounds like a comfort thing. For, yeah, it's ben. ben lobbied hard for him. Well, because when uh, they when the Steelers like forced Bruce Arians into retirement, Ben was not happy about that, and he and Haley have kind of always been yeah like, they, button heads a little right, bit exactly. So and Haley seems like he's uh, he might be a tough guy to work with. I don't know. Seems like at least a little bit of a yeller. Uh, seems like uh, going back. I didn't even get your picks though. Uh, Jacksonville, oh. New England. Who do you got, Gelhar? Jacks. Harmon? Jags. I'm going New England. Chris, what do you got? I'm going New England, too. New England? Okay, uh, two and two. Minnesota versus Philadelphia. Alex Gellar, who do you got? Minnesota. Same. I'm going Minnesota, Minnesota too. Yeah. Minnesota. It's, I, don't, I, think Philly, I think Philly has a chance, but throw it's Throw them just, dog masks on. <laughs> you look at <laughs> I, I know, sir. I think the trouble for, for Philly now is, like, they've, they've been dealt such a rough hand, like losing Carson Wentz, all this stuff. And now not only do they have to welcome a very, very good team into their home stadium, but it's like they got the, the damn team of destiny mojo you know I mean? coming in. Like, they yeah. just won They're on that loose. climactic play. They're playing so loose. It's, it's, it's hard to get by a team that's like that. Saying, that's man. that good, that well coached, and has that, like, Intangible yeah. quality, going guys. We could joke about 
the Patriots playing the Titans in the divisional round. But if yeah. Brady gets through this Jacksonville defense uh-huh. and then happens to meet the Minnesota Vikings in the Super Bowl, and that defense, yeah. that's about as impressive as it yes. gets. It, I, mean, I don't want it to happen. I'd rather have this Jags I, defense I put him on his back eight times. I don't know, man. I mean, it's I, to me, them getting past, if they get past Jacksonville, I don't think it's all that impressive. i got to be honest with you, man. Because I think the number one reason why I don't think, you know, Jacksonville wins this ball game is – Again, can they put up the points? And I know that they've been a high-scoring offense as of late, but against a well-coached, well, you know, well-coached team with a game plan, are they going to be able to put up those points? Is Blake Bortles going to be able to escape? Uh, you know, what pressure? Uh, mistake-free. Okay, just, escape mistake-free. I think That's just good. going back to what Brady, his bugaboo has always been, you know, good D's, good D's. Get get to him with four. Yeah, if D- you can get Denver's to him with four, always, yeah. yeah, Denver, Jacksonville, Minnesota with those eight gap blitzes. I I don't know. I think it'd be a pretty impressive uh, road uh, taking the Titans out of it. Obviously, I mean, some of the recent games they put up twenty four against the stout Arizona defense, thirty points against. We're talking stout, about Jacksonville, yeah, stout yeah. Seattle defense. No, no, they've been a high scoring offense as of late. It's been crazy. Forty five yeah. against the Texans, thirty three against the Forty Niners, and then yeah. forty five against the Steelers. I mean, we really didn't even talk about like how is New England going to f- defend. Jacksonville and what their offensive game True. plan might look like. Right. I mean, How do you contain Tommy Bohannon? Well, <laughs> I mean, obviously, yeah, it's like they don't have a ton of frontline players outside of Fournette, but like, do. For one, how how does he look coming into this game? Right, he's a little dinged up. He's dinged up. Right. Uh, like he's also had kind of just like a schizophrenic rookie year, and most of that's been with injuries. He's looked really good when he's good, and he's looked just like a, just another guy when he's been bad. Yeah. And then Bortles, like, what do they do to account for his running around? I mean, because the Patriots are typically a, a high man coverage defense, and yep. most man coverage defenses give up a lot of rushing yards to quarterbacks because the players have to turn their backs. Like, do they leave somebody in to spy Bortles? Because I think if one thing – No. I don't know, but I think if there's one – because he's not like a designed runner, but it's a lot of it's just he takes yeah. off and, and scoots. And I would imagine that the last thing that – Bill Belichick and the Patriots want to do get run all over get on by Blake, over Bortles. by Blake Bortles. <laughs> like it's one, it's one thing to to lose to him if he just has a great game throwing it, but if they're yeah. gonna lose because he's ripping off, you know, those if he rushes for eighty six yards again or whatever. Like, yeah, I can't imagine that's. Uh, yeah. I would, I would love to see, and because I was reading an article about how they shut down Derrick Henry's, you know, they played their like their base package with like a, their like typical alignment and just. Uh, stacked the box and kind of made uh, Marcus Mariota throw against them. But I would love to see them do that against the Jags and then have Blake do those read option plays yeah. and take off a couple times Yeah, just to keep him honest. Because, I mean, look, like the Jags, they don't have, again, many frontline receivers, but I'm a little more scared of them making big plays if you if they spread me out versus the Titans. You know, so right, and them spread like spread it out. So well, game plan wise too. I mean, te- you know, Tennessee's not taking too many deep shots. You know what I'm saying? Right, and the Jags have big play receivers. Yeah, I they mean, do. They do. They can go down the field. Keelan Cole. Keelan Cole for sure. D.D. Westbrook. Westbrook. Yeah. So, all right, there you go. Um, a lot of OC news, by the way, around the league. Jets surprisingly fired John Morton as their offensive coordinator. Uh, the Jets, remember, were expected to be the worst team in the league by far, po- probably the worst offense in the league. I think they. Um, exceeded expectations. I think they were a pleasant surprise, uh, both in the NFL, in real life, and in fantasy as well. Now, again, the Jets did finish fifth with the fifth fewest total yards, but if you take away that game where Josh McCown got hurt against Denver, where they were limited to just 100 total yards, 100 total yards in that game, the Jets would have finished uh, with a very respectable 319 yards per game if you mm-hmm. take out that Denver game, which is and pretty much middle. But Cowan stayed the rest of the season too. They probably would have bumped that up even more. Yeah, they got they got they got pettied hard. Yeah, at the end of the season. Uh, Mark Helfrich is the new offensive coordinator in Chicago. He was most recently the head coach at Oregon. He just got fired this past off season. He is a Chip Kelly. No, he got fired two years ago, didn't he? Um, he is a Chip Kelly disciple. I think this could actually I'll tell you what. I don't like it. You don't like <laughs> As a Packer fan, okay. I don't like seeing the Bears oh, getting Matt Nagy and now Helfrich on the offense. That could yeah. be a good combo. They still need to get some more weapons on that offense, but yes. they do. if they have a quarterback and now they've got some offensive minds around them, I don't like it. So here's the, thing. the same thing when the Vikings hired Zimmer. Didn't like it. Here's the thing with Helfrich, which I think is, is interesting. He's, um, at least in his tenure, been able to get a lot of production from not necessarily you know big-name players. 
You know, Oregon recruits in a different kind of way, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. So um, I, I'm interested to see what he can do with the cast of characters that he's got in Chicago. I think I think it's a smart hire because, again, he, this is a guy that has a track record to be able to game plan around his players and not the other way around. So It also looks like they went out and got two guys that are a little more pass-friendly in their schemes yes. with Nagy and uh, Helfrich right. versus John Fox, who, if he could, would Ooh, just good. run the ball 34 times a game and, oh, and win 12-6. to six. Um, I will say this as well. I, I, I'm actually excited about what that means for Jordan Howard because both Nagy and Helfrich have done a really good job at generating uh, – advantageous situations for their running backs. So, I don't know. If Jordan Howard, I, I, I get that he's a liability in the pass game, not necessarily um, – I don't know if that necessarily matters. Uh, I think they'll be able to game plan a situation where he'll be able to run against, um, you know, uh, light boxes. Yeah, I mean, the the Chiefs really transitioned to, like, almost a college-style offense with Alex Smith there in Kansas City. Right. And Andy Reid employing a lot of spread Yeah, concepts. spread them out, baby. And I think that now if, if they're going to bring some of that Chip Kelly pace in, that's really exciting for yeah, fantasy. It is. Brian Schottenheimer is the new OC in Seattle. Boo. Weird. Weird. <laughs> he was most recently the quarterback coach in Indianapolis. He was also the OC for the Jets for six seasons from 2006 to 2011. Obviously the son of the very famous coach. How is this man not in the Hall of Fame? Marty Schottenheimer, not in the Hall of Fame. He's the hmm. only coach with 200 wins to not be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But anyways, his son, Brian Schottenheimer, now the new man in Seattle. Schottenheimer, like once upon a time, was a real hot Oh, yeah. When he was with the Jets. Oh, yeah. He had some of that early, early kind of offensive success with yeah. Mark Sanchez. Um, and then obviously he's fallen out of favor since then. But I know this is a hire that has a lot of people down. But I'm slightly interested to see if, you know, if the reason those Jets offenses fell apart was more because they were a Rex Ryan coach. Oh, yeah. Not because so of Schottenheimer. I, I, know, I, I know a lot of people are down in this hire, but I at least yeah. think it's interesting to see if he has he can recapture some of that early career momentum. I think after his stint with the Jets, I think he went to college and was an offensive coordinator for one of those uh, big programs in the SEC or something like and that. And then he went to the Rams as well. Did was he go? Or was he the Rams before no, he the was Jets? With the Ram- he was with the Rams after the Jets. I think he went. Yeah, he went Rams 12, 2012, 2013, 2014. Got it. Okay. Uh, he His best offense was in 2012, or 2010, excuse me, with the Jets. They were 13th in, or 11th in yards, 13th in points. That's that's actually pretty impressive, given what the Jets were trying to get done there. That's actually pretty good. All right, let's talk about Coach Speak Part 2, a.k.a. when narratives ruined us in 2017. Find the piece at NFL.com slash Harmon. It's actually a really, really, really fun piece. Um, I, I jokingly call it Coach Speak Part 2 because uh, Harmon had uh, written a Coach Speak um, article right. uh, a couple weeks back, but this is uh, slightly different. This is more of a... Of, you know, general consensus leading us astray. Right, narratives, and not so much in the typical fashion of, like, a revenge game narrative or right, whatever, right, like these right. in-game things, but, like, long stories that yeah. there were multiple, like, many sides contributed to this. <laughs> uh, you know, we have, sometimes it's it's a coach saying something along with players saying something along with, like, the fantasy community buying yeah. into something. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The Terrell yeah, Pryor yes. one, which you lead it off with, is right. by far the biggest. So, There's but, no doubt. Yeah, let's just jump into Terrell Pryor, like, there's, I think that this one actually, and there's a couple of lessons to tell yourself in all these. Okay, two. Like it's not just like making fun of this stuff. Not just making fun of all of us and making fun of the, the teams and the players. Like I think the one thing with Terrell Pryor, like if you remember when he signed with Washington, uh, for one, I always thought it was a little weird that Cleveland just let him walk. Walk. Well, he turned down their contract. He turned, he turned down their contract, which I thought was, you know. Again, a little strange. And then he really signed like he signed a one year six million dollar deal with Washington. He was which, betting on himself. Which is but that's like you know, it's pennies. That's nothing. That's and not, it's funny now there's apparently rumors he might even go back to Cleveland <laughs> or at least as a candidate to do that, which you know may or may not come to come to fruition. But I think the thing that that people that loved Pryor in, in the preseason fell due fell victim to like a logical fallacy that often happens with wide receivers is like X receiver was bad was productive with bad quarterbacks. Therefore, just imagine what he'll do now that he's playing with X good quarterback. It just doesn't always happen that way, especially yeah. when receivers change teams. Um, you know, it, it's one thing like to get 157 
inefficient targets from the Cleveland Browns quarterbacks to then, you know, I think the most optimistic projections for him were really like 115, 120 targets. That's a big drop off, even if it's with a better quarterback. So that was the, that little fairy tale wasn't enough. Then of course the, the, the vine that hit uh, or the, or the video clip that hit Twitter of him just mashing this one handed catch. And it was like, when that happened, there were a couple of them. You have one in the video, but I remember another one too. Oh, yes. there were, yeah, there, there were, were several. But yeah. it's like every time it was third. Every fantasy analyst would just line up to tell you how awesome this guy was. Going <laughs> to be. And it's like I know, I, I know, a lot of people didn't make an evaluation off one training camp highlight, right? But, but that was the tipping point. That was the tipping, point. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> well, it was everybody who was hot, who was high on prior this off season yeah. was. Understanding he could have a very mediocre floor because Washington spreads the ball out so much, but there was also a very real ceiling there. Yeah, with you chase his that. raw athleticism 100%. to over 200 targets. It just vacated the team. Yep, like Josh Doxson, nobody still knew what was going to happen with him. Jordan Reed could have got injured, so yes, there was like there was the very realistic like 100 to 115 target season, but there was also like if things broke right, he could get 130 targets and and you know be a red zone threat with his size. Don't shake your head over there here. There was not. There was there was no scenario unless everybody got hurt, which was very possible. And it, well, Jordan, what happened to Jordan Reed? Hurt. Yeah, and it didn't it didn't matter. They still had a tight end that. But guess who else got hurt? Tyrell Terrell Pryor. Right. Yeah, Terrell. But I'm saying so like the people that wanted to chase that ceiling, then they saw this video, and, and that Ray, was like proof of concept. Yeah, it's, it, exactly. Proof it's it's, uh, it's confirmation bias. A little Perfect. catnip. Yeah, there. Yeah, proof of concept is a good. Perfect. Perfect, perfect. That was great. Yeah, no, I was I was a hundred percent in the Terrell Pryor camp. Uh, Brad Evans too was. Oh my gosh, he was so big. It was. I mean, he was a third round pick. That's what I'm like saying. A lot of folks. Like, it's a consensus opinion. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Joe Mixon is the quote unquote most talented running back of a loaded rookie running back class that included Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara. Uh, but Joe Mixon, ladies and gentlemen, the title the, the title of this section, Joe Mixon, the best back in the draft. But why should I care? <laughs> if you just search, I even link to it. Just feel free to scan Twitter. Like just search Joe Mixon talent, and yeah. you will see, you know, fantasy analysts, dynasty owners, just lining up to tell you how talented this guy was. Um, I found was, it to be odd, right? And I think that Mixon's a talented back, but again. Who cares when, uh, like, going into the season, there was really no hard evidence None. that he was going to be the lead back. Zero. Jeremy Hill was getting work. Gio yeah. Bernard was still getting work in the passing game. But then, because Jeremy Hill went to injured reserve, he actually did end up averaging 17 touches per game from weeks 3 to 11. So you really can't use an excuse of, like, he didn't get the, he didn't get the ball. And he averaged a sick 3.5 yards per carry, finished outside the top 30 uh, fantasy backs yeah. on the year. Uh, and you know you can he was uh, clearly outperformed by Gio Bernard, definitely a hundred percent by like any running back efficiency metric. Right. Whether you look at like our, our next gen stats metrics, when you look at like yep. PFF's elusiveness metrics, yep. he's, Mixon was terrible pretty much in all of them. And you can like the Mixon mega talent truthers will obviously point to the situation being what doomed him. Bad offense. Not a great run blocking offense. Changed line. coordinators early in the season changed too. Coordinators, even though they I forgot about that. Benefited him. right? So it, it helped, yeah, but like still had to adjust. It's an yeah. adjustment, but again, that's kind of the the point of why this narrative is stupid. Because again, all that talent didn't overcome the situation. Most more often than not, running back talent doesn't overcome bad situations. So that's kind of my point. Like going forward. With running backs, I don't really care who, about your evaluation of their YouTube clips from college. Like, <laughs> it's more volume and situation. Is volume and situation, and when that meets with a re, like when it meets with a talented player, then it can really explode like a Todd Gurley this year. Right. But it can also be doomed if those two things don't line up. The weird, the one weird thing about the whole Joe Mixon situation is, and I I had been harping on this all year, is the fact that you know you lose Andrew Whitworth and Kevin Zeitler on the offensive line, and all big of a sudden, losses. It, Jeez, huge losses on the offensive line, and they looked a little bit lost on offense. That being said, uh, there have been a lot of coaching staffs that have been able to work around offensive line woes. Um, I was curious as, as to see whether or not Marvin Lewis would be able to do that. He had a, a veteran quarterback in Andy Dalton and obviously a superstar wide receiver in A.J. Green. So, again, we go into this into the season with – some optimism here because Joe Mixon could be walking into a pretty good situation. Um, could be 
could be walking into a pretty good situation. So, but and obviously the 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 floor kind of fell out from underneath the Bengals, and and you get what you get. But Joe Mixon, I thought during the regular season was. I thought he was abysmal, and yeah, again, he's terrible in many games. Same situation, same team, all of these things. Gio Bernard absolutely outplayed him. And I wonder too, you know, this going back to his college evaluation, like I think it got overlooked the fact that he was in a committee with Samaj P. P. Ryan at yep. Oklahoma. I mean, he had one, or excuse me, two games of over twenty carries in his final year of Oklahoma. That's what I'm saying. Oklahoma, like that's what I'm saying. It's a big adjustment to then be like, no, this guy's just going to walk into a feature back role in the NFL. Well, uh, that, this is a big reason why when people were telling me that that Joe Mixon was the most talented running back. Uh, in the in the draft, I my eyes were just like I, I was the white guy like blinking gif. I just didn't, didn't understand, um, and it was a loaded class as we as we had talked about before. But um, and, and again, I, look, I, the Big Twelve is a, is a more wide open conference as well. You give this guy a little bit of space, he's definitely the, a great athlete. Plus, he came in with all the um, you know with all the baggage. No, you know what I'm saying yeah. I wasn't a big I wasn't a big Joe Mixon guy. Real quick, spinning this ahead to next year, yeah. I'm wondering how Cincinnati's going to approach this backfield because Gio yeah. Ronnie Bernard is still under contract, but I actually believe they have an out after this year. Jeremy Hill is no longer under contract. Right. He's um. So do they want to they want to get rid of Bernard or because he performed so well, keep him and potentially give him more work? That's what I would groom think. Mixon. I think that's the most logical step, but. It. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to watch once the degenerates start drafting on the websites. You know that open up after the Super Bowl, like where Mixon, where Mixon and Bernard are falling. And Mixon's going to go ADP. higher. <laughs> Mixon's going to go higher. I think Bernard is a very early target. Is like a late round. You know what sleeper. I'm saying? They have. An, yes. They have. They do have an out. Uh, this, it's this year. This, That's what I thought. Year, yeah. Guys, we we talked so much about Joe Mixon this year yeah. with the Bengals. What about John Ross? Oh yeah. my God! Who well, helped me scratch John Ross? Oh my God! The name name doesn't ring a bell. What yeah. happened? Was it, it, was, we don't talk about it because he was not fantasy relevant. But this he was, was a guy. Relevant period. He was not relevant. <laughs> period. Maybe he wasn't relevant on his own team. Hey, he, had a, he had a fumble. I don't even know if he was a real person. He had two. I think he had two targets. Crazy. No one rush and a fumble. Unbelievable. So, First round pick. In, he ran that forty. Top ten. Don't fall pick. in love with forty top times. Top ten. In, in that in that yep. coaching <laughs> in the coach speak article that I wrote that we talked about. The, um, there had to be something about John Ross. Oh, there was Marvin. Lew- like uh, the last. Like my little sign off was a Marvin Lewis special for the road. Uh, like. Marvin Lewis said after they took him in the draft he called Lewis or he called Ross an all-around football player not just a speed guy not but 6 months later did the very same Marvin Lewis say to the media in regards to that very same John Ross he let me down in a striking public shaming of his oft injured rookie receiver. He was bad. Just terrible. He was so bad. It was amazing. Adrian Peterson in New Orleans. This is this is the this is the part where I was reading your column and I said, "Oh my goodness." <laughs> Well, this part is lengthy too, but <laughs> no, no. tracking the whole thing is amazing. That's what I'm saying. But it was so lengthy and so detailed. I was like, "Oh my god, Adrian Peterson has hurt you, Matt." Hart. Well, so <laughs> well, you were one even, of the people that did kind of buy into I did, him. I did. Drafts. I did. It's not even. It's not even that I bought into like all of these narratives. I just bought into like, oh, he's goal line back in a in a good offense, but. This this story, it's just one of those things like mid writing. It just kind of came to me, and I did. It ended up being so long, I actually cut out like two oh, or three man. more narratives I was gonna write because I was like, this so is funny. Good. So I basically made the analogy that uh, please read his piece just for the Adrian Peterson part because again, you will see the hurt and the pain in, in the writing, and it's great. I, I basically it. made the analogy that Adrian Peterson and the Saints were like that doomed couple your two friends you know that get together that are just aren't right for each other at all but they try to convince you throughout their relationship that no 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 we're actually like really good together so april 2017 sean payton indicates that adrian peterson will have a clear role we're a great fit we just know what we want your two friends say to each other <laughs> they proclaim it all too earnestly. Remember this specific part because it does pay off later. <sighs> May 2017, Adrian yeah. Peterson is working on his pass catching ability. We've heard this story every offseason every off since season. Adrian Peterson was drafted 100%. in 2007. Again, just a hint for all you kids out there, all you love, uh, you love lust folk. If you have to change who you are at the core of your being, this is probably not a relationship that you need to be in. Adrian Peterson has never been an asset in the passing game, and it didn't make any sense for the Saints to sell him that way. But 
it continues. Early June 2017, teammates gush over Adrian Peterson oh, in boy. OTAs. All right, fine. Oh, so boy. you posted a few great-looking Instagram <laughs> pictures on YouTube. And they were cute. We get it. Like, the filters looked real good. People were starting to kind of be like, you know what? Maybe this might, you know, this might actually work. It convinced a few people. Mid-June 2017, Adrian Peterson believes Drew Brees will help him improve as a pass catcher. Still working on it. Still working on it. Still working it's on it. It's still going to happen. Still this, 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 this big difference that we have, it's not that bad. It's not this that bad. This next one was so outrageous. July 2017, Adrian Peterson wants to surpass 500 receiving yards on the season. I think and, I fell out of my damn chair when I read that headline in the summer. And this is when your two friends, they start to get a, a little too ridiculous. Okay, okay. You know, she's right. starting to wear some polo wardrobe, to, uh, because, you know, but that's not really the style she's normally wearing. She's changing her clothes. He's going to plays with her, even though he, even though he thinks that, like, the most great theater is the vintage episodes of Cheers. Uh, you know, this 32-year-old running back, suddenly he's going to do things he's never done. It's just not going to happen. Come on. Oh, Early September 2017, Adrian Peterson glares at Sean Payton on the sideline after running for 18 yards in his revenge game against the Vikings. Now, this is when you know. We got a point of the end. in the relationship. Yep. This is their first big public fight. It is. It's yep. beginning it's, of the end. It's it's brutal. It's yep. ugly. This oh, is yeah. this is when you know there's really no coming back from no, it. But no, none. They will still try. Uh, they will still try. Yes. Mid September 2017, <laughs> Sean Payton says he doesn't believe they ever discussed featuring Peterson. <laughs> Remember when he said they'll have a clear, clear role? role. What? Here's your payoff. <laughs> Early October 2017, <laughs> Saints running back coach Joel oh, Thomas thinks it's just a matter of time until it just all a matter of time, baby. Major I Peterson. wish you weren't a liar. Just you a know of this time. isn't working. They know this isn't working. Yep. But that doesn't mean that these two jilted lovers can't have one last good night together. Okay. Over dinner at a restaurant, they shared an important memory in their early days. They look at each other fondly. He remembers her cute sneezes and piles of theater critic books and a faint chuckle of endearment. She thinks of his insistence. Black is her color, not the pink. How he'd get around to putting these clothes in the hamper with an eye roll, but one tinged with a hint of fading affection. The couple heads home together one last time with a few empty words, both knowing their overdue separation isn't far down the line. Mid-October 2017, the Saints ship off Adrian Peterson <laughs> to the Arizona for a conditional six-round pick. That's right. Traded him for nothing. It was just like, it's such a, like, what, what just, a journey. Just going through all of those headlines. What a journey. Again, it's like, wow, what a journey. What a because journey. Because if you look at the, I mean, going into last week's game. Yeah. You just remember, like, kind of, you kind of like, oh, damn, that's right. Adrian Peterson did play for the Saints at one point this year. Crazy. Uh, by the way, speaking of his pass catching ability, I think he had four drops on 19 targets. <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. They were working on it. <laughs> They were working. They were working. How many yards on. did he fall short of 500 at? That's the real question. Oh, he, what did he have, All like 100? Of the, Not even. I mean, well, Please. he said he wanted to uh, catch 500 yards. There's no way he had 100 receiving yards. I don't know. I no. Well, he only had 19 targets, so, I mean, I guess that's not feasible, but I don't know, whatever. Anyways, narratives that died. Or he, had, he, had, uh, he had 70. 70. So I was close. It's close enough. Uh, narratives that died, or did they? Let's burn through these very quickly. Zach Ertz only performs in December. Nope, that one's oh, dead. Destroyed. Uh, Alex Smith can't throw deep. Now, this is an interesting one because uh, he had a lot of long touchdown passes, uh, but... He was the highest rated uh, pro, pro football focus. He had the best passer rating on... Deep downfield throws. 20-plus yard throws. So I, I'm interested by this, though, because, again, his his average depth of throw was still... Not that great, right? Mm-hmm. He was just he was just hyper efficient when he would go right uh, downfield. So that's the that's the interesting part going forward. I mean, did he have just one? That's what I'm saying. Magical season was it? I don't know. Well, and and where are where are we going to find out the answer to that next year? Is it going to be ha! in Kansas City? Obviously, I think you know you can't discuss this again. He led led all uh all quarterbacks in deep passing yards. Yeah, in deep passing touchdowns, he tied with Russell Wilson there, and deep passing quarterback rating, which is so interesting, and even deep, Pro Football Focus's accuracy rating on yeah. deep passes. But how much of that is Tyree Kill? Obviously, you can't. That's what I'm you saying. You can't discount that. Like yeah. his first year as the starting receiver. Even Travis Kelsey to a degree. Absolutely. So, 
is is Smith just it, it, was this an outlier season? Um, and where is he gonna where is he gonna be playing next? Year? I would I would think it's an outlier season. I hope he comes back with KC. It's just it's a smart football move to bring him back. I mean they've got everybody cost controlled. I don't understand. I, I really I don't, don't I think, understand. I don't think it's an outlier season to be honest. I just think it was a culmination of the offense finally getting the pieces the pieces around him too. We've seen Alex Smith throughout his career be able to throw deep at times in the right situations with yeah. the right pieces. You're right. He's not a guy that's going to be able to chuck it deep no matter who's around him, but with the offense, Tyreek Hill taking the next step, Travis Kelsey being there, it was it was all working out. You think like 2 years ago, who the hell was he going to throw deep to? Mm. It's more of a mindset with Alex Smith. I I always thought I thought he could throw it deep if he wanted to, but he doesn't want to cuz he wants to protect that ball at all costs. You know yeah, and saying? it's how much of it's him, how much of it's the system. Yeah. And I think the honestly I think we won't get an answer to that question until we see uh, until we see Patrick Mahone's uh, operating the system, he's obviously a much more aggressive. Uh, oh, super aggressive! Right, right, exactly. I, I don't know. Casey would be. I think they would be pretty stupid actually to let Alex Smith go. Uh, they got Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Costco. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Just have them both on the roster. What difference does it make? I don't get it. Um, all right. That being said, uh, long layoff optimism. You wrote this one in here, Matt Harmon. I did because this one every year there's always at least one player. Martavis Bryant. That yeah, like the long, well long layoff optimism, and I, I even mean more like suspension or injury related. Like in 2016, I remember it was Dion Lewis. Like people were like, "Oh, Dion's back! Like he's gonna get rolling," and he never did really until Thomas the post, Rawls. Until the postseason, Thomas Rawls ever. <laughs> this year was Doug Martin. Doug Martin. People took to, and I was yes. I was one of them. I bought in hard on the Doug Martin <clears> thing. Unfortunately, he didn't. He, oh, he did make it into the into the narrative's piece, but uh, like he was another one that it was sold like oh, this is gonna be like 2015. He's gonna come right and he could be great again. He did look great in his first game. He. he Ran well, got the touchdown. I was like, I was like, it's happening. Yeah, no, no, nope, it's not. Yeah, I mean, he, he was, was so bad. legitimately terrible the rest of the year. So bad, and bad. you had to sit on him for three games as he was suspended to start the oh. year. And you had to sink like a fifth round pick to get him too, because everybody started like sniping each other round by round, slowly oh, yeah, but yeah, surely yeah, up yeah, the ADP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's one that I would like. I'm. I want to be done with that narrative, but I don't think people will ever be done with no, it. No, you're not going to be able to quit it. There's always going to be somebody that hooks you back. Oh, for sure. 100%. And I think there are some guys that it's worth it, like like a Le'Veon Bell when he's going to miss a couple games to suspension because he's Le'Veon Bell. He has a secure role. He's going to come back. But like for these second-tier running backs or whatever, forget about it. I'm not – I'm just like – I know it's like what are you waiting for? Yeah. You know, if you're – if I'm willing to wait those – two to three games or whatever or yeah. longer at the start of the year if I know when on the other side there's going to be like a top five back. Martin was never – even in the best scenario, Martin was never going to be a top five What a strange back. career Doug Martin's had too. Like oh, you just look at his like year-by-year totals and think of the ups and downs of like how good he was, injuries, exactly. suspensions. Like Bizarre. He's probably going to get Weird. cut this year. Oh, definitely. Oh, for sure. And, uh, a fresh start might be good for him though. I agree. I agree with that. I think that, you know, I, uh, and again, the Tampa Bay offense this year, it cannot be overstated how dysfunctional their offense was. They were among my top when I wrote that di- disappointments piece. It I, I was a lot of them were individual players, but Tampa three, three offenses made it collectively, and they were the <laughs> Oakland Raiders, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Tennessee Titans. It was so bad. I, I just, and again, Dirk Cutter. I mean, come on. I just... I don't get it, man. Anyways, um, here's the last narrative that died or did it. Wide receivers need a good quarterback to produce top. So, so we always, like, at the end of the year, we always try to have these, like, what did we learn? Like, what lessons did we learn from fantasy football uh, at, at the end of the season? Yeah. And last year, it felt like I heard over and over again, like, I'm done drafting these wide receivers with bad, bad quarterbacks. quarterbacks. Because okay. I think a lot of people were stung by Allen Robinson with Blake Bortles right, and DeAndre Hopkins with – C above. All, all, all <laughs> Obviously, mostly Brock Osweiler. Right. Most people were, but like, if you look at this year, top ten in in PPR points. Okay. You've got DeAndre Hopkins. We know he has, again, bad quarterback play all throughout, except when Deshaun Watson was in there. You have Larry Fitzgerald who endured bad quarterback play, and True. was productive throughout. You had Jarvis Landry with Jay Cutler playing terribly. Matt Moore. You have uh, and Adam Thielen. Obviously, he had. You know, a good quarterback this year, but still, like again, if well, he you, got good quarterback play. He got good quarterback play, and that's yes. the thing. Like, if you had gone, if you had gone into the season being like, uh, Case Keenum, Case your Keenum is going to be the quarterback for Adam Thielen and, and right. Stefan Diggs like, again no, with I'm that out. mindset, you would have been all the way out. Yeah, goodbye. Yeah. So that's just something like I'm just kind of kind of forget that narrative going forward and think, or we'll see, we'll see next year. Like, does the narrative die or whatever? Like, yeah. 
but for me, it's like the how good these receivers were, and, and for most of them, volume. the theme is volume for yeah. all these guys. I mean, Hopkins, 175 targets. Larry Fitzgerald, 161 targets. Same with Jarvis Landry, 161, 143 for Adam Thielen. And, like, those are the guys, like, they were able to boost up their stock and join these guys with good quarterbacks like Antonio Brown, Keenan Allen, uh, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, etc. Okay, there you go. Let's close out with a round of daily daps. Daps, 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 daps. daps. I like turtles. Uh, Alex Gellar. You're, you're mixing up our uh, our oh, drops there. I am. Our highly uh, spectacular while, drops, yes, yeah. Yes, yes, uh, uh, Alex Gellar, kick us off. Uh, I'm going to dap two things. First one is uh, just barcades in general. They've I love been, barcades. They've been making a comeback. I'm glad they're expanding they? to other cities. Yeah, like right. they. my sister said they added one in Minneapolis now. Oh, awesome. There's a couple that are awesome in Chicago and yeah. when my family was in town we went to the one downtown uh, called 82 and it's just so fun because awesome. like have a beer and you're yes. playing old school games 100%. like it was games that I used to play like at the movie theater when we were waiting for the movie to start or when I would actually go to arcades when those were still a thing 100%. and like damn it's just so it's just so much fun playing those it's old the games best. it's the you know, absolute best trying to set high scores on like you know Centipede or Space Invaders or yeah. even the, the old or... do you remember the big X-Men one where you could have like four player side yeah. X-Men, we, yeah. we were playing that one. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, man, they're just, they're I awesome. So, Daily Daps to Barcades. Like, if you if you live in a bigger city, like, Google it and see if the one's around and that you've never been to. There's because... an awesome one in Sherman Oaks. Oh, really? Yeah. I have to go to like that a one. Real, like I'm a thinking... really, really good. Do they? Because the one that you're talking about in downtown, that's more of a, it's more divish, right? No, it's very nice, actually. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's in the Arts District. It's very upscale. They have, like, a DJ come in oh, at nights. Arts District. I've only been to one in Philadelphia. They're they're so fun though. Yeah, but the one the one I because I, 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 there's another one that's actually not named in Koreatown. It doesn't even have. A I've name. been to that one too. I think that it's called like the Blue Ghost no or something. Name. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, I forget what it's called, but my my I think my buddy's uncle works there is like a part owner of it, and he took me there one time, and that's it's great. just it's literally like a hole super in the wall, basically. Underground. Oh my god! Super. And they only have like they have like I don't know like eight eight or ten machines. Maybe yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. as big, but it's right. a fun one. But yeah, if you if you live in a big city or have never been to one. Or you're traveling somewhere, just see yeah. if there's a barcade around because it's such a blast. It's so much fun. It's a total nostalgia trip, and you can do it while you're having a beer. So there's one in Denver that's awesome. The One yeah. Up. Have you have you guys? I haven't been. One Up. One that's up. a great name. Yeah, it's it's called the One Up, and it's right near Coors Field. When I was doing some Ooh. stuff for the Broncos last year, we went there. It was awesome. That's great. Yeah, really and, cool. and we're not talking about Dave and Buster's. Oh, Dave and Buster's is no, no, no. The ones in uh, that One Up's a great name. Sorry, and the one in Chicago. I was trying to think. Is it a great name too? Is called Headquarters. <laughs> That's, uh, that's cool. great. I, I was like, that's I that's it. clever. I love it. I will. I'll actually pick you. Uh, oh, wait, sorry. I had oh, one more go, thing. Go, I was going to daily. Go, app. Yeah. I'm reading a really interesting book right now called uh, Dark Money by Money. Jane Mayer. If you yeah. listen to any of the Positive America things, one of the guys on there, Tommy Vitor, has talked about it a lot. But it's uh, Jane Mayer is a very, very good investigative reporter, and it kind of tracks the uh, the Koch brothers and other and their Ooh. very, 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 very extremely wealthy people and how they kind of like accumulated their wealth and how they've been using it to influence politics and other things in America. It's a fascinating book so far. I'm, I'm going to try and finish it this weekend because it's been like every time I pick it up, it gets really good, but then I'm like too tired and falling asleep or whatever. So I'm like Saturday, phew, this book's going down. But it's, right. it's a really interesting read if that's something that kind of if you're into nonfiction or stuff like that. And it's these guys have a lot of money and a lot of influence on the country right now. So it's, it's crazy. It's, man. it's uh, very fascinating to see how they're going about it and how they accumulated that wealth. Crazy, crazy stuff. Um, I will piggyback off your first dap and I will daily dap uh, NBA Jam, which is uh, yes. cel cel celebrating its uh, 25th. Uh, 25 year anniversary. They had that release. the Barcado. Is that? Oh, yeah. it's so fun. Yeah, that's all I played in Denver. Was it's it, was the NBA Jam. Was oh, NBA man. Jam? Yeah. Playing it on the console is such a trip. Because I remember like playing it on the Super Nintendo too. But the console one. Yeah. Is oh, so it's fun. the Sonics. Bad. Yep, the old Super Sonics. It's the best. Gary Payton and uh, was Detlef Shrimp. Uh, no, but uh, the, it's it's funny because legitimately, legitimately. NBA Jam was one of the reasons why I want to pursue sports broadcast. Really? <laughs> but for the broadcaster things they like, said yeah. during the game? He's heating up. He's heating up. Boom shakalaka. Like, oh, I just, I don't know fun. why. I, I thought it was so fun, man. I, I just, I don't know, man. Were you, it, you were probably too young for NBA Jam, weren't you? Yeah. And you didn't give any craps about basketball, I'm assuming so. No. I was in on uh, Ken Griffey Jr.'s baseball on uh, on N64. That was oh, fun, too. Ken Griffey Junior but man, baseball. NBA Jam, that was the best. Oh, it was the best, man. But it was, yeah, it was crazy. Uh, my second uh, daily dap will uh, go to Wiz Khalifa. Uh, he's he, still doing things? 
Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. He's still out there doing All things. Right. Uh, but he, um, I, I, this came out a year ago, but um, but I just ran across it on the YouTubes. But um, he does a freestyle over Adele's "Hello," and I'm thinking, oh, this is gonna be just, this is just gonna be atrocious. It's really good. <laughs> it is really, really good. Interesting. Wiz Khalifa doing a, a freestyle over Adele's "Hello." Uh, he absolutely kills it. Go find it online. It's a power. It's I'm a power one hundred six. Yes, it's a power one hundred six uh, video. But uh, but yeah, go check it out. It's it's really fun. I, and again, I I came in with like this is going to be abysmal, uh, but it was it was awesome. So there you go, Matt Harmon. What do you got? So I got a couple uh, music daps from. Uh I was scrolling through uh, NPR's Tiny Desk concerts. I love the Tiny Desk. Yeah, oh, my God. Those are so good. Yeah, those are so great. And a couple of the good ones I saw just uh, the last few days. Well, the first one, uh, it's, this, it's a singer named I, but it looks like it's spelled Ahi. A-H-I, all, okay. all caps. He's got an incredible voice, like very kind of soulful but a little gravelly too. You okay. Definitely check that out. Yeah. And the second one, Julian Baker. I actually heard Greg Rosenthal mention her on the ATN podcast too. It was like the day after I was listening. I was like, oh, cool. Like she's got, I mean, unbelievable, like probably one of the best singing voices I've ever, I've, I've ever heard. Uh, it's very like – Stuff seems like seems a little dark, but like good piano, like uh, yeah. just like one solo guitar and like her singing. It's just it's really really good. Like I would recommend. I would recommend actually before you go listen to her stuff. Okay. Actually find that tiny desk uh, concert segment, and That's she's great. just this tiny. She's just this tiny little like blonde girl. Tiny very, blonde and a tiny desk. Yeah, very powerful, <laughs> very very powerful voice. Uh, like I was actually listening to, after my pod was finished. I was listening, walking into work. I was putting some of that on. I was like. My God, like just an in, incredibly talented person. So yeah, if you uh, if you, I mean, you can literally crush an hour easy just watching NPR's Tiny Desk. Oh yeah. Oh, they're so good. They're so good. They have such interesting artists come on there too. That's what I I'm was saying. doing that instead of uh, working for an hour here I mean, the other day. It was it, it and you get non-traditional people like yeah. T-Pain had an amazing Tiny Desk session. It's, 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 um, it's, yeah. Chance the Rapper had a great tiny desk session so it's non-traditional you know folks come through there and they kill it too man it's it's really interesting it's really really yeah, interesting that's that's it like a youtube time hole time oh waster God, that you yes. just get on by the way the t-pain one was without auto-tune obviously because it's recorded live and he, and he did really really well which i was surprised by which of course led to the question of why doesn't he just sing like this normally like what does he need auto-tune uh, auto <laughs> <'Cause he's fun. laughs> you know what i'm saying like i don't get that uh producer chris what do you got you know what? I'm going to adapt a certain segment of NFL fans. We've seen over the, like, the last few weeks, for instance, Todd Gurley. Fantasy owners of Todd Gurley, they gave yeah. the Shriners one mm. of his charities. Oh, that, oh this is a the, good call. I was thinking yeah. about it was, too. That was awesome. The Andy Dalton and Buffalo that's connection, right. how the Bills gave to Andy Dalton's yeah. foundation. And then just recently, Thomas Morstead. So that crushing loss the Saints had, everybody left the field. Yeah. And – it was mandated that 11 guys needed to come back out right. for that extra point. Yeah, they were putting their pads back yeah, on, so literally. the officials are trying to get 11 guys to come yeah. out there. And Morstead was like the Here first guy to volunteer, yep. playing linebacker, you know, for basically an untimed down. Yeah. Mm. And Vikings fans saw this and really took to him coming out and showing that sportsmanship and the toughness after such a crushing defeat. Crushing. And they started donating to his charity, nice. which is called – what you give will grow. I think it, it's for kids battling cancer. Okay. So he he said, I appreciate the love. If you guys get to $100,000, I will donate it to a Minnesota hospital. And boom, just like that, $100,000. <laughs> wow. That yeah. Vikings fans donated. So, wow. I, I, you know, it's we, we get up and down about wins and losses. But it's stuff like this, man. It just makes it really, really cool. And did you see, too, that uh, Bengals fans donated to Blake Bortles' charity? Yes, That's what just it was. Because, just yes. because he knocked the Steelers <laughs> out of the playoffs? Yeah. Like, there have been so many of those yeah. at the end of this year. It's been yeah. really it's been a really oh, nice footnote by the on way, this thing. Just, just to piggyback off that, a Jacksonville Baker sent yes. Big Ben seven turnovers and sent it to, <laughs> sent it to Pittsburgh, <laughs> sent it to their practice facility and said, Ben, thank you for the seven turnovers and turn here seven turnovers. Oh, amazing. Well, A-plus troll job. Ah. Yeah. That's why we need Jacksonville in the Super Bowl. We, we need do. Duval. That's Duval. what we need. We need it. It'd be so fun. Oh, my God. I'd have maybe Viking Skullchan versus Duval. Like. Bro, don't get me wrong. I'm picking the Patriots, but I am rooting my ass off. For <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Come on. Let's go. What a great show we had today. For producer Chris, 
Mack, the Wizkid from Wisconsin, Alex Gelhar, and Mack Harmon. I'm James Go. We'll see you on Monday. No franchise. See you later. Sad. See you later. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.